You're listening to a podcast from Newstalk ZB. Follow this and our wide range of podcasts now on iHeartRadio. Oh, good idea, and welcome to the re-wrap for, what day is it? Wednesday. It's always tricky in a short week. Uh, all the best bits from the Mike Hosking Breakfast on News Talk ZB in a sillier package. I am Glenn ZB, and this morning uh, it's OCR day, so Mike always gets very excited about that, even though I still don't really understand anything about it. Um, we've, we've got to cover off the uh, the Trump arrest, of course. That was so exciting today. Oh, you know, he came out of a building went into another building, then came out of that building and got on a plane. <laughs> Talk about anything could happen. Um, and uh, Kerry Allen, should she have been sacked for what she said at somebody's farewell? But before any of that, uh, Jacinda Ardern, was she any good really? Valedictory day for Jacinda Ardern. Of course, plenty of people have been asking plenty of other people what they've made of her time as PM. I think it was Geoffrey Palmer who said she would be seen as one of the greats. Uh, he's wrong. Uh, the fact her support has collapsed post her resignation in the polls is proof that we have moved on and fast. She does have a unique place in our political history in the sense that anyone who was leading a country as COVID hit will always be remembered for that. And at the start, she will be remembered well for her compassion and empathy, their natural traits of hers that she used to good effect. Uh, the Christchurch massacre added to the reputation and as a result it went global and she will almost certainly be remembered more fondly offshore than on because offshore the fine detail of the government's actions and abilities are never really covered that closely. The reality is, she quit. And she quit because she had become toxic. And as a result of the toxicity, her party were going to lose this year's election. She had the good grace to walk, as opposed to being knifed or holding out and hoping for a miracle. But her desire to walk was written all over her face before Christmas. She looked dreadful. She looked so over it. And that comes from the fact she never actually wanted or expected the job in the first place. She was the accidental PM. She came a distant second. A lot of people forget this, and it must not be forgotten. She came second. She didn't win the election of 2017. She came second. And she got the big job only because Winston Peters is bitter, hated Bill English, and so the Labour years began. If it wasn't for COVID, my guess would be they would have been a one-term government. My guess, if she had stayed, their vote would have gone from 50% in 2020 to perhaps 25 or 26 this October. Essentially, she was an emoter. She talked a lot. Had a lot of chat, a lot of meetings, a lot of thoughts, a lot of thought bubbles. The record on non-delivery speaks for itself. Her nuclear moments of child poverty and climate are embarrassing. Her government's overall record is shambolic. We're in recession. Health is crippled. Crime is rampant. We've blown out our debt, handing out money for nothing. Most people say they liked her. I liked her. I always found her affable and pleasant. But to call her one of the greats is to insult the real greats and to be overtly polite. The reality was she was okay. At best... And basically, she couldn't hack it, so she walked. She didn't finish two terms. For greatness, you've got to crack at least three. She is a living example of how theory doesn't equate to reality. Um, and, uh, you know, my lasting impression is always of that death stare she gave me that time I, I thought I was making a funny joke about special committees and working groups, and she took it a bit personally and gave me a death stare from the studio through the glass I actually thought she was going to shatter the glass by freezing it with that stare so yeah I'll always remember that and not very fondly alright now uh, OCR day um, again 
as I say, anything can happen day, Wednesday, isn't it? Might, well, I mean, it might. Might just work out fine. It's possible, I guess, that Adrian Orr today tells us there is no need for a rate rise at all. He's done enough. The slowdown's material. A soft landing is happening as we speak, and as far as turbulent periods go, things have worked out remarkably well for this country. But... Uh, given he isn't going to say any of that, we are left with the reality. Uh, what is open for some discussion, of course, as always, is the language. If we assume yet another rise is on the cards, and we assume it's 25 points, which puts the cash rate at 5%, is there any indication that we're coming to an end of the rises? Could the bank economists be right by suggesting we may even see some cuts by the end of the year? The pressure's now really on. I mean, it's always been on, because this is a gargantuan mess, but it's on more now than ever, because we are seeing other countries start to do things and talk about things we might not be able to. Australia yesterday didn't put their rates up. Their economy isn't going into recession. They, like Britain and the States and various European trading partners, appear to be handling their circumstances not only differently, but better. Ask yourself why. And although every economy is different, of course, we have made very specific and deliberate decisions that seem to be costing us dearly. The amount of free money. Uh, the lack of control from the banks around the lending of that money, the astonishing spending by the government on not just COVID programs, but basically every program going, the absurd pay rise reaction brought about by having an immigration setting that was economically suicidal. We've hampered ourselves, we've hobbled ourselves, and the ever-rising rates and their outworkings are proof of that. As I say, I might be wrong. Maybe Adrian's got nothing but good news today. But the deeper we go down this hole we've dug, the darker it looks, and the more fraudulent the claim looks that we are well-placed. Time eventually exposes all stories. The global post-COVID story is unfolding in very individual ways, and our version is a cold, hard realisation that too many others had a way better handle on it than we have. Australia's cash rate, 3.6. New Zealand's, most likely 5. Bit of a difference. I do really feel like, and I know I've said this every time, we've been ta- we t- Mike's really become obsessed with this whole interest thing in recent years. And I, it's just definitely one of those things I just um, close my eyes, stick my fingers in the air and try and pretend it's not happening and then it won't really affect me. Um, mm. 90% of parenting is just thinking about when you can have a break. And when you do take a break, enjoy the Parenting Hangover podcast. They go together like a tutu and jandals. We've said from the get-go, we ain't parenting experts. No. But it's cool to hear, what is your neighbour doing? What do they say? A problem shared is a problem halved. Oh, that's good. Not that my children are problems, or a, but I feel better talking about it. The Parenting Hangover with Clinton Jordan. New episodes every Thursday on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's uh, turn our attention to New York, to Manhattan. And uh, what's been going on there this morning? The aforementioned Marjorie Taylor Greene, uh, who's Congresswoman, you might remember her performance in the State of the Union. She was the heckler with uh, Biden, of course. She's a big Trump supporter, QAnon lobby. Uh, anyway, here, here's her being dragged away. President Trump is joining some of the most incredible people in history being arrested today. Um, Nelson Mandela was arrested, served time in prison. Jesus. Jesus was arrested and murdered by the Roman government. There have been many people throughout history that have been arrested and persecuted by radical, corrupt governments. And it's beginning today in New York City. Um, and I just can't believe it's happening, but I'll always support him. He's done nothing wrong. Yeah, I mean, fair enough. Well, we don't know that he's not Jesus. I mean, there were a lot of people when Jesus was around the first time who didn't think he was Jesus. So... Look how bad those people look now. Um, the the man in charge of uh, trying to put 
the ex-president away is Elvin. Here's more from Elvin Bragg. Now, one of the charges is conspiring to break a law. We didn't know what that law is. Here's Bragg. In my remarks, I mentioned a couple of laws, which I will highlight uh, again now. Uh, the, the, the first is New York State election law, which makes it a crime uh, to conspire to promote a candidacy by unlawful means. I further indicated a, a number of unlawful means, including more additional false statements, including statements that were planned to be made to tax authorities. Uh, I also noted the federal election law cap on contraband, contribution uh, limits. Okay, so that's what he's facing, or part of what he's facing. He summed it up this way. As this office has done time and time again, we today uphold our solemn responsibility to ensure that everyone stands equal before the law. No amount of money and no amount of power changes that enduring American principle. Elvin Bragg, the Manhattan DA. Have you watched Billions? So Paul Giamatti kind of plays Elvin Bragg in Billions. And he, he's not trying to bring down Trump. He's, he, he goes after white-collar criminals. Once they actually make money, as opposed to Trump, who I don't think has ever actually made any. Uh, mostly lost his, or, or stolen it other, other people, I think. Uh, anyway, allegedly. Um, but yeah, so so Alvin's not quite as dynamic as Giamatti, but he's not too bad. Anyway, uh, speaking of Trump making money... It's gone uh, 3.30 in New York and Trump has left the building and he's in his motorcade and he's headed to LaGuardia as we speak. He'll jump on the plane, fly down to Mar-a-Lago. That'll take about two and a half, three hours, so it'll be uh, later on in the day when he speaks, allegedly speaks to um, the world. Anyway, meantime, they've just released their first fundraising effort. As a result of all of this, it's a T-shirt. It's got a fake mugshot on, which is ironic because there was no mugshot, but there's the mugshot on the T-shirt and underneath the the picture is the words not guilty. $47, which American, $47, which in the land of the cheap T-shirt, they are the land of the cheap T-shirt, there's a real margin there. So um, at least he's using it. Maybe it's a quality one. Maybe maybe, maybe a very high. You don't want it to come out of the wash, you know, two sizes smaller. I'm just wondering if it is high quality, really. Merch can go either way, can't it? I've got merch... Um, t-shirts that are the, some of the best t-shirts I've ever owned like really good quality ones they haven't faded haven't changed shape and I'm still wearing them years later in spite of having like 2018 written on them and then I've had other ones that immediately just dissolve so, like dis- yeah um, we're going to finish up now asking the question should Kerry, Kerry Allen have been uh given the shaft after what she said. No, I don't think that Kerry Allen should be sacked. I think people got a little bit carried away with that yesterday. Uh, we, we're in a sort of a, an angsty frenzy in the build-up to the election, and yes, there's a connection with Nash, and yes, Nash did get sacked, but he's got a paper trail, and he was dealing with donors, and he might well have made up a story about being a local MP when really he knew full well he was a cabinet minister, and the whole thing is way, way more serious than Kerry Allen going to a farewell function and letting a few people have it because her partner partner didn't get a job. It's not cool. She shouldn't have done it. And she's realised she shouldn't have done it. And my understanding is I've been told from a person who knows a person who was there, it was fairly full on. It wasn't just a, oh, it's a bit of a shame you didn't give my partner the job. Apparently it was a bit more full on than that. Uh, There was a board member there. There was a chief executive officer there. Uh, The most disturbing part and the part that hasn't been covered as widely as it should have is there were 12 speeches. 
and that if there's if if you ever want to know what's wrong with Radio New Zealand, they have farewells that involve twelve speeches, and not only twelve speeches, but as part of it, they have an open mic, which is where you just get to say anything you want. It's like okay, Glenn's like, like, leaving. It's like, like a funeral. It's very similar. Anyone want any? It's just like how to make it boring. In radio programming and in farewells, as I suppose it, it is out. a bit like a funeral, isn't it? Jeez. <laughs> so I don't, I don't think that'd to- make anybody aggro, wouldn't it? Exactly. In totality, it's not a sackable offence. Well, I have got received just received a text wanting to know that when when you left national radio, yes, I didn't have ha- a farewell. How many speeches? Were didn't there? have a farewell. What? I said I, I quit. I said I'm out. I'm gone. Bye bye. There wasn't. I said. But they said. But what about? But what about the farewell? Because the only reason they say so that, it wasn't just that they, they said. Look, we're having a bit of a thing for all your friends to turn no, up. No, and and it was just you because you know and some sausage well, rolls. The main the main reason they're asking about your farewell is they just want the free food and the booze. That's all it's about. They don't give a monkey's about you. They couldn't care less that you're leaving. It's just another outing with some sausage rolls, some lamingtons, and a couple of beers. It's, so I said, nah, save save your money. I saved the taxpayer thousands on the day that I left national radio. You're welcome. Can I have sausage rolls but no speeches? Can you have one without the other? And then the money that we've... Oh, are the speeches going to cost anything? I was going to say the money you save on the speeches, you can put that into more sausage rolls. There's never enough sausage rolls. Everybody loves sausage rolls. I'm Glenn ZB, so hungry. Uh, that was the rewrap. Uh, we'll be back with another menu tomorrow. See you then. For more from Newstalk ZB, listen live, on air or online and keep our shows with you wherever you go with our podcasts on iHeartRadio. If you enjoyed this podcast, you will love our New Zealand Herald podcast, The Little Things, hosted by me, Francesca Rudkin, and my good friend, Louise Airy. We focus on all the little things that you can do to make a positive impact on your life and to cut through the confusion from the health and wellness industry. Join us every Saturday to hear from the experts for all the tips and advice you need. Just search The Little Things on iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts.